To you, we wish you a great and meaningful and Merry Christmas to you all. Today, if you have your Bibles or your iPhones or whatever, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Elizabeth's going to read an extended passage starting in verse 26. A great part of the story that sometimes we miss, and we're going to talk about that today. And so Elizabeth's going to share that part of the story. Luke 1 in verse 26. And from our hearts and our home to each of you, a very Merry Christmas. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things 
and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Amen. This is the introduction of the great story, and I hope tomorrow at Christmas morning that you will read Luke chapter 2. So it's Luke 1 and Luke chapter 2, and Luke chapter 2 gives the story, and even if you live alone or just with one person, still take the time to read Luke 2, even before you make phone calls and wish other people uh, Merry Christmas or however you greet them, read Luke chapter 2. Fourteen years ago, in two weeks, um, a very a tragedy occurred here in the Western Hemisphere, which was the earthquake in Haiti. Do you remember that? It was, I think, January 9th or 10th, 2010. Thank you, January. And um, it was difficult. And I remember I had just started uh, to be pastor just a couple of weeks. In fact, this is the second week 14 years ago that I would have been pastor. And we hadn't set up a way to collect money and to do things and for tragedies and um, issues around the world, which we have now and which we do very well, and you guys are all very gracious. And so we had bought a container and we got the people, we filled the container with things and we got a procurer and was getting that container down to Haiti within just two weeks. But during that time, one of our partners said, I said, what do you need? We were texting and doing some other things through other ways to communicate. And he said, we need cash, cash. I said, what kind of cash? He said, the banks aren't working, the ATMs, if there are any, aren't working. There's no transfer of money or any ability to get cash just to buy basic things. We need fives and tens and twenties and ones. I'm thinking, how can we get cash to Haiti. And you all were very gracious, and I just mentioned it on a Sunday, and $14,000 in cash came in. Ones, fives, tens, twenties. We didn't need a hundreds, just those smaller denominations. And $14,000 came in. And I thought, how am I going to get it from here to there? Because there's no way to trace it, to track it, to recede it. It's just got to be money ending up from here to there. And I was very afraid. I thought, this money's never going to get to its intended use up into the uh, hills out of Port-au-Prince where our partners were. And then God said, you know what? God, God said, he, I've given you this money so that you can give it away. And so I called one of our elders and I found a route. I found a, a pilot who was going to Haiti, who was a Christian, who was going to meet a Christian, who actually knew the partner. So there were three people this money needed to track through. And then I went to one of our elders and I said, would you take this money an hour and a half away to an airport, to a pilot I've never met, and give him this big sash of money? And he said he would. And so when the elder came, $14,000 in small denial, it's a lot of, you know, it's a big satchel. And I sealed it and wrote my name across it so we could know if it was broken. And um, I went to the elder and I looked him in the eye and I said to him, this is God's money and you are now responsible for it. And I am no longer responsible for this money. <laughs> and you have one job. 
and that is to get it to this pilot. I gave him the address, the airport. It was a private airport a little further north. They were taking private planes in. And I said, here's his name. He's going to meet you in two hours. And I want you to look him in the eye and say the exact same thing I said to you. And then don't worry about it. And I'm scared to death, of course. So he does it, does it, does it, gets to Haiti, does it, does it, does it. And I get a call back, or, and again, I can't remember if it was uh, how, I, how we received the calls back then because texts weren't going through. And the missionary said, thank you for the $19,000. <laughs> and so I communicated back to him. I said, you mean $14,000? He said, no, $19,000. I said, in small ones, fives, tens, and twenties? He said, Absolutely. And it taught me a great lesson. I was so worried about this little resource God gave me that I never realized that God likes to multiply things. And one of those people who, I asked all of them, so three people between me and the missionary touched the money. None of them would admit it, but one of them put $5,000 in there of and had to be prepared because it was small denominations. Here's the thing. God gives us things to do, people to help, and we do it, and sometimes we want to hold on because it's all we have. And God is telling us to let it go and let him deal with it. Do you see the point? This is the story of Christmas. We forget that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God could have stayed in heaven. The Trinity could have stayed there. And with all due respect and with all the children here, keep it G-rated and let the world go to hell. But God said no. And he loved the world so much that he sent his son to earth And when the sun came, there was multiplication that occurred. There were things that happened that occurred. And today I want to look at this story, the beginning. You have to read Luke chapter 2 tomorrow to get the whole story of his actual birth. But in this story, there's a couple of things. I want to give you five thoughts on this, if I can, and what Elizabeth just read in Luke chapter 1. And if you've not read this story before, read it again because it's important. The first thing is this. There are two women in this story, and there are two babies in this story, right? Two women, two babies. The women's name are Elizabeth and Mary. The babies' names are John and Jesus. Now, John, it's John the Baptist, not John, the writer of the book of John and Revelation, different John. That John comes in the adult life of Jesus. This John is a cousin of Jesus. And it's interesting that There are two miracles that occur. The first miracle is Elizabeth. Elizabeth is older, and Matthew spoke on this two weeks ago. Elizabeth is older, she's without children, and God does a miracle to allow her to have a child. As an old lady, she has a child. Mary is a young lady who's never been married, never had a man, never had all the things, and I know we have kids everywhere, so you parents know what I'm talking about, but... Never had any of that, and she has a baby. 
So we have John that has a miracle, or Elizabeth has a miracle baby. Mary has a miracle baby. Now, I hear a lot of people, we need to realize that these are kind of special miracles. These are like extraordinary miracles. God is in the miracle business, but God is not making babies from virgins anymore. You know, just not doing that, so it just doesn't happen. But what do we know from this? One is, we know about John, and then we know about Jesus. And what does it say about John? It says it in the passage, actually, a little before what Elizabeth read. It says that John, in verse 15, will be great before the Lord. John will be great before the Lord. But the Bible says about Jesus, it just says, he will be great. There is a big difference. John is great underneath the Lord. Jesus is great, and it goes on to say, because he is holy, he'll be magnified, he is God, he's the son of God, etc. So two people, both born of a miracle, John is great, but Jesus is greater. Elizabeth's miracle was great. The miracle given to Mary, which we'll talk about in a minute, was even greater. And it's important for us to understand that, even to the messaging of John and Jesus. What was John's message when he got older? Do you remember? I've come to prepare the way of the Lord. Go, he points to the Lord. In fact, there's a, actually a, a portion of scripture and gospel that he actually is pointing directly to Jesus and said, he's the one, I'm not the one. People were following him and he goes, go to him. But what does it say about Jesus? Jesus didn't come to prepare the way. The Bible says Jesus is the way. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the truth. You see, I can speak the truth. Jesus is the truth. I can speak about life. Jesus is the life. I can show you the way, but Jesus is the way. You see, Jesus is greater than John. Jesus is greater than you and me, even though we are like little John, supposed to be proclaiming the way of the Lord, the other scriptures tell us. So number one, we need to realize that there were two women and two boys, but the greatest of these is Jesus. And though we speak of them and we read of them kind of in the same way, we need to realize that the storyline is about Jesus. Elizabeth goes away. John goes away, Mary goes away, Jesus stays. And in the song we just sang while we had the candles, all the way to the point that he will rule the world in truth and grace, right? It's really a, a, a looking forward to the second coming of Christ, which is an amazing thing. Number two, and this is important, and it goes to what I was saying last week about Mary, Mary, in this passage, as she speaks to um, Elizabeth, her cousin, as, and as she sings this song, or she speaks this song that Elizabeth, my Elizabeth, just uh, read in those last verses, Mary, um, her feelings are clear about this. She owes nothing, or excuse me, God owes nothing to Mary. She received everything from God. You see, we think many times that Mary is the one who's out blessing everyone. We need to realize the story is that Mary received the blessing. Mary received the virgin birth. Mary received the angel Gabriel. Mary received giving the birth 
of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's not that she's out, and that's why and I know some traditions have us praying to Mary and hoping that Mary will redeem us as well. And the reality is Mary was a recipient, not a giver of it. She received, but is not that the giver is Jesus Christ. This whole story is about Jesus. Of course, he came through Mary. We understand that, but it's more about Jesus. The third thing, which is interesting, is that there's a sense of humility in this. This whole sense of humility comes. You would think Mary is giving birth to the king of kings. She should be proud, right? There's a pride attached to it. I don't know if you watch uh, The Crown. Anybody watch The Crown, the, the show that's like going on forever and ever? It's um, not really forever and ever. It is, there is an ending, and it is a good ending. If you, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But one thing, that crown, there's always this pride behind the fact that we are royals. You know, I don't know if you see it. It's like there's those people and there's us and we're the royals and they're not. And there's a pride. Even in the humility they try to have, there is a sense of pride. Even one scene where the queen, who is probably the most humble of that whole crew, uh, they're talking about, uh, William's talking about eating dinner in the kitchen. And she looks at him and goes, isn't that where the staff eat, kitchen, eat dinner? And it's like, it's crazy. I mean, so unrealistic. I mean, I, I eat in the kitchen and you eat in the kitchen. A lot of people eat in the kitchen, but they had this them and us. There's no them and us with Mary. Mary was humble. She had a humility in it. And in fact, for he has looked on the humble, verse 48, a state of his servant, She is humble, and there's a humility that comes throughout the scriptures. And what's interesting is because any reference in the old world about God was always, there's God way up there, and here we are way down there. It's God, us. And then all of a sudden, the storyline is is God's becoming a part of us, and it's coming through a human named Mary. And if anybody could have pride, it should be Mary. Mary should be the only one, if anyone could have pride, have pride, and yet in this she talks about she is being very humble. Why? Because God loves humility. God wants her to have humility, which brings me to the third thing, which is this whole idea of status. This, in fact, one person calls it theology of status. We have this status. Each one of us think that we're in this hierarchy of where do we fit? At work, where do we fit? In our home structure, where do we fit? With our money, where do we fit? In Boca Raton, we all know where we fit. I'm down here, up here, whatever. We're all kind of fitting. And in this scripture here, there is no status. He has brought down, verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones, and he exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. What it's saying here, it's not that it's bad to be rich. We've had those conversations many before, but he's saying it's the humble. You've come humbly before God, and that is the important thing to do. Number four. Humility is a byproduct of reflecting about who God is. 
Just think about that. Humility is a byproduct because if we really believe that God sent his son because he loved us, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing I can do that is as good as that. All the things I give. Now, when we give our 14,000, it becomes 19,000. I really think when we give what we give to God, it's 5X, 10X. The Bible says it's even 60 or 100X, which means it's much more than that. And then finally, this is interesting. And I said it at the beginning. It is as a recipient that Mary is blessed, not as a giver. And this is important. We are blessed to give, but God in this story at Christmas time is blessing us with his son. So Mary was blessed to have the son. We are blessed to have the son. Now the byproduct of that is to be a giver and to bless other people but our blessing comes from God. And that is important to understand it. Oh yes, tomorrow we're gonna bless people with gifts and with food and with congratulations and with great sayings. And yes, we will bless them, but the ultimate blessing comes from God. Do you believe that? Isn't that why we're here? Because God has blessed us in this story of Christmas. Now, how do we know this? This is important. Because the Bible tells us, and it continues the story after the birth, and tells us that our relationship to God is based on Jesus Christ. Can I give you a couple verses on this? A couple good ones. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. And this is important because I was talking to someone this week who was fearful a little about sin, and even about her own sin, and I get that. And it says here, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. God does not want us to sin. But if any one of you does sin, and it's more like all of you will sin, this is what you should do. If you're a believer, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And I say this with all due respect, is that the saints cannot speak on your behalf to God the Father. Now, we who are alive can pray to God on behalf of others, but ultimately it's Jesus Christ who is our mediator. There is one, verse Timothy chapter two, verse five says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and people, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. In other words, and I said this last week, If you sin and you commit something against the state of Florida or against Palm Beach County, I can pay for that for you. Now, I probably won't, so don't come to me with all your traffic tickets, but I could pay for that, right? That's a lot of, I could. Or if you steal something, I can come and pay for that, but I cannot pay for your sins against God. I can't pay for them. This relationship here can only be paid by Jesus Christ. This relationship we can pay for from time to time. Not always, but sometimes. But this one, and here's the problem, or the reality, is all sin is sin against God. So it's not like there's some sins against people and then there's sins against God. And we only sin against people, we really don't sin against God. But the reality is all sin is against God. 
Most sins are against people too. Not all sin. I could sit here and go, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you to myself. I'm sinning, but you don't know it, so I haven't sinned against you. I've sinned against God. But I cannot, God's, only Jesus Christ can heal this. I can help heal these sins. And we do that. That's why we go to counselors. That's why we have uh, therapists. That's why we have marriage counselors. That's why we have people that work with people. And we do these things. Why? Because we want to heal this. But ultimately, this needs to be healed. And that only comes from Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was born of a virgin. He didn't stay a baby. He didn't stay in the womb of Mary. The story goes on quickly. And then Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. You see, the first covenant is the covenant with Adam. And that covenant we broke between Adam and God. Adam broke it, and can I tell you, every one of us, even these little kids who are screaming, they have broke the covenant. I think two of them are mine, so I'm not upset about it because I got two three-month-olds, so probably two of them over there are mine. So it's not about that, but they've broken the covenant. We have broken the covenant, and there's a second covenant of Jesus Christ coming, and that's why he came And that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not a children's story. It is a very adult story because it is the coming of the second covenant of God's work with us. And the only one who can do it is Jesus Christ. Not Elizabeth, not John, not Mary, not Gabriel, not Joseph the father, not the wise men, not Bill, not you, only Jesus Christ. Do you believe it? It's so important to understand. Now, let me just kind of bring this together. And as we end, by the way, um, I'll talk about the end now so that we can pray then at the end, is usually at Christmas Eve, everybody rushes out. You know, rush, let's go, rush out. You want to go eat, you want to be with your families. We're ending a little early today so you don't have to rush out. Greet some people, meet some people. There'll be a little food and drink out front. You can stay here and talk. If you need prayer, want to really um, start, end this year well, start the new year next week really well, come down here. There'll be people to pray with you. If not, go in the back and there's big fellowship. It'll be relaxed. There'll be an opportunity to hang around for a little bit as well. I think it'll be great. So let me close with this. We, Elizabeth and I have a friend. Um, who's a great chef, very good. And he's learned to make his own uh, barbecue. He puts together his own spices. He's from Jamaica, so he does jerk real well. And um, people don't know what jerk is, but if you've never had jerk, it is incredible. It's not about the name of a person. It's, you know, that's Steve Martin. But this is um, just incredible sauces. They tend to be a little hotter that Americans like, and we love it. Anyway, whenever he comes up, he brings us a little six-ounce bottle of it and different things, kind of like pick-a pepper if you're from Jamaica, you know what that is. Anyway, I said to him once, because he's a strong entrepreneur, his wife is a great businesswoman, I said, how come you're not selling this? You can make a fortune selling 
your sauces, and he has a couple different ones. And he says, it's not easy. I go, what do you mean it's not easy? These are fantastic. He goes, I make a gallon at a time. And then I put them in these little six ounce bottles and give them to my friends. And I said, well, why don't you make a hundred gallons or a thousand gallons and put them in bottles and sell it? He goes, because it's impossible to do. And I said, why is it impossible to do? And he said these words that I didn't believe at first. He said, to do one gallon and to do a hundred gallons is not a hundred times the one. See, I would think if you put this amount of salt and this amount of vinegar and this amount of mustard and this amount of whatever else you put in those things, that you would just multiply each of those ingredients times 100, and instead of getting a gallon, you'd get 100 gallons. That is not the case. It's not the case. The reality is it's terrible. He said, I've tried it. I said, what's wrong? He said, because the balances are different in the larger settings. And I go, I don't get it. One, a hundred, you just do a hundred times. He goes, no, it doesn't work. He goes, what I need to do, and I just don't have the resources to do it, is I have to hire a chemist. A chemist. I have to hire a, a macro chef who understands all this stuff. He said, because to get this taste that you have in a big vat, and then put it in small little containers, it would be totally different. He said, I've tried it, and it's terrible. And so he's never proceeded because of all the expense of that. Well, what's the point here? The point is this, that each of us have our six-ounce bottle of life, and we're pretty good with it. And you know what? I don't need you to help me with my six ounces and you probably don't need me. But as we begin to grow, and your family grows, your influence grows, your opportunities grow, we think that what we do here is the same as what we do here. And the reality is not. We need a master chemist to come to help us and to be with us and to show us the way to do it. We think we know the way, and maybe we are fairly good at it, But he was telling me, because he has studied this with others, is that the chemist even comes in and changes the small formula. Jesus is our chemist. Jesus is the one who comes to change us. We think we have a great life, and I go around and go, wow, you're really good. That is really incredible. And the reality is this, is that it's not as good as it could be because the chemist has not come and done the work that he needs to do. Jesus Christ is our chemist. He needs to come and do the work, because it really doesn't matter if you're doing 100 or you're doing two. Your life cannot work by yourself. Now, I'm making the, the metaphor and picturing barbecue sauce and jerk sauce and now calling us this, but here's the point. The point is you need Jesus Christ. You say you don't need it, and we think we don't need him because we're okay in the small bottle, but the reality is we really aren't because it goes bad easily. It doesn't have the right preservatives in it. It just goes, and what you and I need is Jesus Christ. And so I want to close today before we sing a closing song and leave joyously is do you really know Jesus Christ, the adult Jesus Christ, 
the Jesus Christ who died on a cross and then rose again. We all know the baby Jesus Christ, cute, happy, manger, shepherds, wise men, all these good things. But do we really know the Jesus that matters? And that is why he came to earth. This is how he came to earth. Christmas is the how he came to earth. Easter is the why he came to earth. And you need to have the how to get to the why, but don't stop with the how and miss the why. Because the why is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to wish you a very merry, but more than merry, a meaningful Christmas. Make this a meaningful Christmas this year. Do something meaningful with your loved ones and with others outside of your small circle. And do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in the baby Jesus, but in the King and Savior Jesus' name. Can we do that? Let's pray together.